Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Noise, the podcast series from PR Week. I'm Frankie Oliver, founder of New Society and your regular host. Each episode, we aim to get underneath the skin of some of the industry's biggest issues. And today we are looking at industry ethics. This issue is in the spotlight again, following the revelations that Edelman is working for the government of Saudi Arabia, a country well documented for human rights abuses. It's brought a number of questions to the surface. Can working with such clients ever be justified? And if so, on what ground? and in what circumstances. Where is the line and is that line shifting? Meanwhile, are some corporate clients or even entire industries now just too hot to handle? To talk us through this moral maze, it's a pleasure to welcome industry stalwart Trevor Morris, former chief executive of UK PR agencies, including QBO and Chime Communications and co-author of Public Relations Ethics, The Real World Guide. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you very much for inviting me. And of course, we have the wonderful PR Week UK editor, John Harrington, who will be here to ask us the key questions. Thank you, Frankie. Thank you for the introduction. And um, thanks, everyone, for for joining us. Before we get on to the questions, I want to clarify the situation regarding Edelman. So the agency has confirmed to PR Week that it is working with Saudi Arabia on a program to improve cultural ties between the country and the US and to improve the country's reputation in, in the West. As we've written, um, for many, this is a starting decision, not least because Edelman has positioned itself as an ethical beacon in recent years, including releasing a set of ethical principles in response to criticism over work with big oil companies and launching a Gen Z lab, or should I say Gen Z lab, to appeal to a younger progressive mindset. It's worth saying Edelman declined to give a statement about its work with Saudi um, and also declined an offer to appear on this podcast. I want to give some context though. Edelman isn't uh, the first agency to represent countries with dubious human rights records. For example, in 2017, Weber Shanwick withdrew from a public affairs contract with Egypt after six months. 
That followed a critical feature in the Atlantic that accused Weber of working with, quote, one of Egypt's top spy services. Shortly before, MSL and parent firm Publicis worked with the Saudi government. That came of criticism by UK human rights group. Ketchum has also been documented, worked with the Russian government for about nine years until around 2015. The defunct Bell Pottinger, of course, was well known for working for governments with poor human rights records prior to its collapse five years ago. Although I do want to be clear that I'm not comparing any of the agencies that I mentioned uh, to Bell Pottinger. Another interesting development this week, actually, I don't know if you've seen this, but the National Press Cup in the, U- in the US has urged PR firms to reject what it calls the blood money that the LIV Gulf uh, could offer to represent the Saudi Arabia-backed Gulf Tour in America. So there's a bit of context there. I'm going to get straight into questions now. Trevor, firstly, um, is there any moral justification for working with Saudi Arabia as a PR agency? Well, the government has relations with Saudi Arabia, and right now they're a key ally um, because because of their oil wealth, given what's been going on with Russia. So it would be difficult to say that we should have no dealings at all with Saudi Arabia. I think probably more of the issue is what anybody is doing for Saudi Arabia. So if somebody's doing a campaign to, you know, on road safety or on trying to encourage young women to participate in sport or something like that, I don't think people would probably object or promoting you know, hotel and tourism in um, Saudi, unless you take the ultimate view that we should have no dealings at all with Saudi Arabia. But is that practical? That's a good question. What, what do you think, Frankie? Well, I have a slightly different point of view, which I'm sure you're not going to be that surprised by. I mean, I understand that, you know, there are reasons that we have to have relationships on a, on a government level, um, especially as we're dealing with some really, you know, difficult situations on the back of the wall um, in terms of oil. I think when it comes to whether there's a moral justification, I think the question has to be for whom, you know, is there moral justification for the agency to work because they have a right to have a PR agency? Or is there moral justification to take on a client like that whose employees might be really quite offended and find it quite stressful and compromising to work in an agency that's taking on clients like that? I think it's I think that for me is the bigger question. And I think if you're, you know, looking after thousands of employees, you know, are you taking on the right client for those people? Yeah. What's your view on the kind of part of the solution argument that um, agencies will sometimes use for working with controversial clients that their work will help them improve in in whatever way? Well, I know that was the the response that was used by Edelman and I think WPP as well on um, their reasons for continuing to work with fossil fuel clients. I think when it comes to Saudi Arabia, I mean, I think the brief correct me if I've got this wrong, is about raising the positive perception of Saudi Arabia, using celebrities and promoting it as a tourist destination as well, I believe. So they're not really dealing with some of the really complex, you know, human rights issues that would make you question why somebody should be working with um, Saudi. So just using the kind of lipstick gloss of celebrity and travel to present a positive image of Saudi Arabia is, I think, questionable. Okay, thanks. And um, you alluded to it earlier. It'd be good to get your view on this, Trevor. The the mantra of the late Lord Bell 
um, when he said anyone has the right to PR representation just as anyone has the right to legal representation. Do you think that view is valid in any way today? Yeah, firstly, I think actually it slightly misquotes him or, or, <laughs> or he didn't quite understand the room because you have to, a lawyer has to represent the next person that comes along. I don't think anybody has ever suggested that PR firms have to represent people even, even if they don't believe in what they're doing. So something different, a different point being made there. To deny anybody or if somebody's unable to get any PR representation, then they probably are unfairly disadvantaged. Um, there's certainly been cases, um, for example, Leon Britton found it very hard to find any representation when he was wrongly accused um, of, of interfering with children because he's become so tainted, his name had become so tainted in the, uh, in the public sphere. Uh, and, and clearly that was an error of judgment. And, there, and one could argue that there are sort of different sort of situation, but there are elements about Saudi life, elements about Saudi Arabia that aren't understood well and could do with being explained and might help both sides understand each other better. Um, but I think if you take the, the, the view that Frank has taken, this sort of, you know, it is a kind of corrupt and bad country, then surely we shouldn't be dealing with them at all. Um, but we do. And we deal with them in all sorts of ways and all sorts of levels. I think there is there are reasons, practical reasons, why we may need to engage with them, especially on a government level. But actually, I think, you know, Joe Biden was actually trying to move America away from its relationship with Saudi Arabia until the war. Um, so there was a definite line in the sand that I think America was trying to create. When it comes to PR and creating a positive perception around a country that has a negative perception and using what looked like some lipstick gloss, if I'm really honest, rather than dealing with some of the really, you know, difficult issues affecting that country. You know, I have questions about whether it's really necessary for an agency to take to take that on as a client. You know, if Saudi Arabia want help with their PR, then they should consider hiring somebody I would suggest in-house. They don't necessarily have to hire an agency and the knock-on effect that that then has, I think, reputationally for, especially if you look at Edelman, they're famous for the trust barometer. They say that CEOs should step up and, you know, really be a force for good. And I don't really see how that brief, that specific brief is a force for good, both for the world and also the people that are working at Edelman. So there a question here about... If you draw the line in the sand saying we're not going to work with Saudi Arabia because of its human rights abuses, where does that leave China? A lot of PR agencies work for China. A lot of PR agencies work for countries that have their own faults in many ways. Some might argue Trump's White House um, was not the most moral of administrations. How do you think agencies would, would draw the line in these sort of circumstances? Is it not down to that agency to define what its lines are? And just be really clear about what those lines are, because, you know, I think there's been some murkiness, hasn't there, around Edelman, you know, continuing to work with ExxonMobil, you know, continuing to defend fossil fuel clients, even on the back of the creation of that interesting set of ethics that meant they made absolutely no new decisions whatsoever. So... I think they're showing us where their lines are. It doesn't mean that every agency has to have those lines. And I think agencies have come out on Twitter being really horrified by the Edelman decision to work with Saudi because they don't want to be seen to be supporting, taking on that sort of work within the industry. But what's interesting is those same agencies haven't come out and been horrified by all the consultancies who work in China. 
So you know, they've chosen to be horrified by Saudi, but not chosen to be horrified by China. So I think there's, there's immediately there, there's something going on. So you know, why is Saudi worse than China? The other point, I think the impact on Edelman's of working for Saudi on their clients and on their staff is a very interesting one and may damage them. Um, is that ethical? Now, I think, well, I think they've made a a business judgment and of course their staff and their clients can and may leave which will be interesting and of course that's often how the market corrects itself because you know, PR firms can in theory work for who they want but actually PR firms also need a sort of permission to do business in terms of attracting clients and in terms of attracting staff. My my personal guess would be that this won't do Edelman's any favours because it's raised such a high profile. But that doesn't overcome the question of, you know, is it justified to work for China? I mean, I I would argue that it probably is because I don't think we can cut ourselves off from the world. But these are very difficult questions. I suppose they're all shades of grey, aren't yeah. they? And, yeah. and which one is more grey than the other? And I think because Saudi Arabia is, I think, firmly in many people's minds a country that does have such a you know phenomenally bad reputation that they're able to come to the position that they are and maybe don't feel as well versed in terms of really understanding China's history. Well, of course, the, I mean, the irony is that, of course, Saudi had a, a terrific PR disaster with the murder of that journalist. And that's what everybody quotes. And yet, you know, the Chinese are doing would appear some terrible things to you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, but we don't know their names. And they're not journalists. So people are just less shocked by it. Um, but it's not just the journalists, is it? I think I read something like 81 people were executed in Saudi Arabia in March alone. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not just that issue. It's, it's a horror show of one thing after another. And do you, I suppose what you're saying is potentially there's more awareness around yeah. Saudi Arabia than there is around China. And that's yeah. possibly true. Isn't it about transparency to, to some extent? I mean, don't agencies have a moral duty to declare which clients they work for? I mean, I would certainly hold to that view that um, you know, clients, sorry, consultancies and agencies should always say who their clients are. The problem there is is that sometimes clients issue non non disclosure agreements, and you're not allowed to say. Now, is that justifiable? I don't know, but that that is the case. So, as a general rule, definitely, I think it's desirable that people should be upfront about not only who they're working for, but what they're doing for them, actually. Um, because yeah, that's less an issue within that. Because uh, if you've got nothing to be embarrassed about, nothing to hide, then why wouldn't you say that? Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, going back to um, the governments, I mean, you mentioned Biden and the US. The US has obviously been um, trying to be quite quite close to Saudi for, for practical reasons recently. I mean, isn't there an argument to say that if your government is saying this is an okay country to work with and we need to work with this country, then shouldn't that be good enough for companies to say, okay, well, our government's doing it. It's good enough for them. It's good enough for us. Yeah, and I think there's a danger if we if we completely cut ourselves off from the world. I mean, there's lots of things about Saudi that you know most reasonable liberal people will not like. But, for example, taking the current crisis with Russia, we do need to be friends with Saudi. Um, that's why Biden went there. He didn't want to, but he needed to because we need some of their energy provision and we need allies. So he's, frankly, the lesser of two evils would be the case right now. I would say that was out of necessity, though, wasn't it? 
I mean, Edelman don't have to take on a campaign to promote the positive perception of Saudi Arabia with celebrities and promoting them as a tourist destination. I mean, it's not essential to their business that they take on that account. They've got many more, you know, they're a much bigger agency than that, you know. Whereas for Biden and many other governments, they're they're caught in a crossfire here of a really really difficult set of negotiations around our around energy. It's not the same for Edelman. There is an absolute easy choice to make here about simply not working with them, and they could make that choice. And also just to come back on that piece also around whether they should be disclosing clients. You know, Trevor's absolutely right that the NDA situation now with a lot of clients means that you can't necessarily be that overt um, about the clients that you're working with. But you can inside an agency. Everybody else is sort of signed up to, to that NDA. And it's interesting to ask the question, you know, how many employees actually are aware of some of the clients that their agencies might be working on? You know, there were some really big issues in the 90s of agencies working with tobacco and actually not telling, you know, you know, all of their staff that they were doing that. So it's how overt, how clear and transparent are they actually being with their employees about the work that they're doing? It's a good point. I'm quite keen to go back onto the Russia point as well, because, you know, this industry has made a big thing about withdrawing from Russia and the uh, PRCA um, and others kind of making the point that it is clearly absolutely unacceptable to do dealings with with Russia. Um, and obviously there are the government's sort of pressure to, to withdraw as well. But it's interesting to think of the difference there. And it strikes me the difference is Russia is our enemy at the moment. Russia is attacking an ally of ours. So therefore, the moral question is 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 different somehow. Well, it's simple and straightforward. I mean, it, it is actually a threat to us. What Russia has done is a threat. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To us, because there's the fear of escalation, involvement of NATO, etc. So, I mean, it, it's not just an ethical issue. It's a practical issue that if you let Russia continue to do what it's doing, it will lead to trouble for all of us. It's leading trouble for all of us anyway, um, because interestingly, I mean, in, not just the Germans, but I mean, the Germans in particular believed by getting close to Russia, they would change Russia's behaviour. And that's proven to be completely wrong. I mean, disastrously wrong. I don't think they were immoral to have tried it. I think it was unethical of them to have done it, but it's proven to be wrong. Um, and I think sometimes people confuse, you know, ethics with just what works and what doesn't work. And if it didn't work, then it's suddenly described as unethical. But I think wanting peace and wanting good terms with Russia wasn't you know, ethically um, incorrect. It's just proven to be wrong. And that's what I think people want to avoid now. 
Um, you could take the ethical high ground and have no relationship with Saudi, but then find yourself in a very difficult position because we need some of their energy and we need allies and we don't need any more pr uh, problems in the Middle East. But interestingly, Edelman have been you know, very vocal about what they're doing to support the Ukraine. There was obviously the launch of Regain Ukraine at Cannes. They haven't given you any comment on the Saudi Arabia piece. They haven't said why they're working. It was found out because they have to register that they're working for this government with a American agency. It all feels very underhand. You know, if they want to come out and actually address why they're working with Saudi Arabia and explain it, then that's that's how you build trust in that decision. But they're not doing that. And I think on the back of the ExxonMobil stuff, it's just just yet another proof point that there's some moral queries around the client base that they're choosing. I think it's important to to recognize that it's not only Edelman that's dealing with these sorts of these sorts of questions and having these these difficulties. Um although I would quite like to move on to to companies as well as countries because yes Edelman but also um the likes of some WPP agencies have been criticized for working with fossil fuel companies as as you mentioned earlier on Frankie. I mean in ethical terms do you think oil is the new tobacco? when it comes to clients? Has it crossed a red line for many agencies? Well, I think Clean Creatives has signed up 300 agencies now and over a thousand people. So I think, yes, I think absolutely it is definitely crossing a line for a number of people. And again, it's because of what PR is being used for. And that's potentially presenting an image that will lead people to believe that we are dealing with the climate crisis and that fossil fuels are leading um, a renewable energy strategy, and they're not. So it's again how we are used as a as a tool, effectively, to create a level of misinformation. And I think that's why a number of agencies have absolutely come up and said, you know, we cannot be engaged with fossil fuel companies for this reason. Are there any other industries at the moment that are like fossil fuel companies or tobacco companies that are perhaps too hot to handle? I think mining and anything in the extractive industries, um, people you know, have a sort of visceral, emotional dislike of all of that. So working in any of those industries um, raises some awkward issues. I mean, we need them. I mean, we can throw away all our mobile phones if we don't have those industries, but people don't like them. But that's, again, a little bit like the oil industry, that people don't like oil, um, but people still fly. You know, people still drive. So oil is still needed. So not you know, refusing completely to work for the, um, the anybody in the energy industry, I think is, or certainly in the carbon-based energy industry, um, it, it, it is too limiting. Disapproving of people who are trying to um, greenwash the energy industry or present it as something it isn't, I think is quite right and should be limits on that. Though, of course, the Advertising Association, um, not the Advertising Association, sorry, the ASA, um, you know, has made a ruling on that. And you know, that's a law that's previously existed or a ruling or ethical code that previously existed. Basically, you don't claim things that aren't true. Um, and I think that's a level of protection that's there and can be applied within PR as well. But I think not to work for um, anybody in the energy industry, I think I don't think PR industry would be doing the world any favours. And I don't think there's an ethical justification for it. 
you know that I completely disagree with that, right? So I'm just going to put that in there. Not that I don't have great respect for everything that Trevor's saying, but I do, I do think the way that agencies are being used to present the work that's coming out is largely presenting one image versus the other. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to hire communications professionals who can obviously work for them or that they can correct the way that they are actually handling their communication strategy. So we've talked about before, John, about the fact that they could be a lot more transparent in their communication strategies about their net zero strategy rather than choosing, picking and choosing which ones to promote. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I'd like to come on to a a slightly different ethical question, actually, that's been raised um, in the last couple of weeks. This is the cash for coverage scandal. And a a recap on this for people who don't know, this is where staff at a a PR agency offered money to journalists to appear in their publications. Trevor, what, what, what do you think of this? This seems like a very clear crossing of a line. Yeah. I would say that's absolutely <laughs> clear crossing of the line. If you're offering money for uh, for coverage, um, and uh, one has to wonder what you know, about the titles and journalists that are accepting the money as well, because um, they wouldn't be offering the money if people, some people, didn't accept it. Where it gets more blurred is, and this is particularly true in things like fashion, travel, and to some degree motoring. It's it's not cash, but it's you know the dresses are left with you, or the cars left with you, or the you know you. you Everything is provided on the trip. Um, now, is that payment or is that just you know, the necessary you know, people need to try these goods and services to review them? Yeah. Well, I used to write about the leisure and hospitality industry. And as part of that, I had some quite nice trips and some quite nice food and some quite nice drink. Um, but you're right. You know, I'm writing about that industry and I need to experience it as part of learning about what I'm doing just because I had a really nice time um, and I had some, you know, fantastic stories and, and all the rest of it doesn't necessarily make it immoral. And it's about how you use it. You know, I'm not going to start writing things favorably because someone's bought me a nice meal, unfortunately. Um, but uh, it doesn't mean that it's not a valid thing to do. No, but it's the things that get left out, I think. I mean, if you look at travel pages, you virtually never see any negative coverage in travel pages. They don't say, I had a terrible trip to wherever. They just don't mention it. Now, in other areas of journalism, they would probably mention what was you know, what was wrong and bad, but they don't. Um, and there seems to be a sort of broad agreement in some areas that you know, if we provide you with free flights or free clothes or whatever it is, there won't be negative coverage. You may not get super positive coverage, but you don't get negative. But that's always gone on and will always be a bit of an issue, I think. I think that's really hard to manage. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Frankie? Well, I mean, I think, you know, enabling journalists to enjoy an experience that you're, you know, selling them to review, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's just a part of the PR process. It's also a part of the PR process, the media relations process to pre-agree what sorts of pieces you might get on the back of that. It's never contracted. It's never fully confirmed. You're very careful about not wanting to cross the editorial line of expecting to get that coverage. But you're generally having a broad agreement about what might come out of the uh, the other side of that um, experience that that you maybe have put on. I think um, that's understood and I think that's reasonable. I think in terms of cash for coverage, that's completely not reasonable. I mean, you're, you're buying, you're overstepping an editorial 
line effectively and that is i think called advertising <laughs> yes it's yes, something i thought had died out as well actually you know 30 years ago it wasn't that uncommon for small titles to try and knock you up for a little bit of you know or insist on some advertising to go with your proposed editorial that seemed to go away but now you know with you know, sort of media sort of fragmenting disintegrating in some instances money being much tighter Sadly, it seems to have come back. Yes, um, we looked into this a bit and I actually asked some journalists from the tech industry um, on, a, on a Facebook group that I'm, I'm a member of. And they were saying, quite a few of them were saying that they don't actually blame the PRs. A lot of the time, it's not the professional PRs that go anywhere near this. It's the people who run the companies. It might be people who sort of think of themselves as marketing folk, but they don't actually understand media relations at all. And a lot of it can be kind of thrusting startup businesses that are just moving too quickly and just probably want to cut corners. So actually, I think it's one of those ethical situations where I don't think that the problem is not our industry in inverted commas as much as it is just people trying it on who are not professional communications folk. So from that point of view, I'm going to say it's not entirely negative for the comms world. Yeah. And there, I should say in, in, in comparison to lots of places in the world, we are extremely good on this. There are lots of places in the world where you know, the blurring the lines between advertising and editorial and sort of payments and things like that is, well... <laughs> The lines are completely blurred in some places. Yeah. One of those, you know, in the last part being the Middle East, um, yeah, where it's much hazier, the difference between advertising and editorial. Right. Okay. A really fascinating conversation. I think we're out of time now, but these debates will no doubt carry on for a long time. So now it's time for Top and Flop of the Fortnight. I'm going to hand over to Frankie for the top. I'm very jealous of you, Frankie, because you managed to attend a certain sporting event on Sunday. That's a clue as to the top. I am going to gloat. Yes, I was there. It was amazing. I was lucky enough to get a last minute invite to the uh, Women's Euro final. And I was four rows from the front, John. And it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I was next to Becky Hill as she started to sing. It was that close. It was amazing. Um, Obviously, the Euros have just captivated everybody over um, the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just been incredible that we've seen the Lionesses bring, obviously, the trophy home. I mean, you know, obviously the boys didn't quite manage it, but the girls did. Is that allowed? Is that a little quip that I'm allowed to put in there? You're allowed that Uh, quip. (laughs) It's very true. But I think what's really, um, you know, not only is it just watching their incredible ascent and their ability to to win the Euros, but also what it's doing for the game. I mean, the experience when you were actually inside the stadium, you know, there was lots of discussion there around how the energy was very different to a normal kind of male football match. It was very up. It was very exciting. There were so many children. There were so many young girls watching it. I mean, it was really amazing. And as you were, you know, in the event and even when you were leaving, you know, when you normally leave those sorts of footballing events, you're sort of crawling over litter and sort of standing on plastic glasses. There was not a drop of litter on the floor. There was no alcohol. There was just people singing. It was genuinely joyful. So it'd be really interesting to see what women's football actually does for the game overall. And in terms of the comms of the England team, the Lionesses and their and their management, was there anything that really sort of struck you about um about their abilities there 
Well, I think the comms around it has been amazing. And I think, you know, um, it's obviously had primetime television spots, which has been really important for the game. You know, my eight-year-old son has been as gripped by the, the women's Euros as he was the men's Euros. So they're bringing a whole new generation of kids who will see women and, and men's football as the same. I think where there have been comms issues have been in the last 24 hours where the girls weren't given a double-decker bus in the same way that, you know, are the winners of the, the male winners of the cricket and the rugby were. And also they've had no reception at number 10. So I think there's some big comms issues to sort out there in the next few days. Okay. I, I was quite Im- impressed with um, the manager, actually, um, Serena uh, Wigman. I think she's c- quite a sort of downbeat, downplayed, very sort of calming presence. Um, and obviously incredibly good at her job. But I actually, I've actually liked her interviews and the way she's quite matter of fact about things and hasn't overhyped things and has sort of kept expectations realistic. Um, and then exceeded them every time. Yeah, so a great I'm manager. And her second win, I believe, because she's second second, second time, time in a row. She's apparently, won. yeah, yeah. I mean, clearly, um, clearly an absolute star. So fantastic. Well, the lionesses get top. I'm going to bring the mood right down now. I'm afraid. I'm sorry. Um, flop. We're going to go for another Dutch person, actually, uh, Shell's chief executive, uh, Ben Van Burden. Um, Shell and some other big energy companies have been slated, absolutely slated in the press over this past week or so after announcing eye-watering profits and payments to their chief executives. Van Burden, who earns uh, reportedly 6.2 million a year, was personally lambasted in the press. Um, I'm sure he was attempting to deliver some home truths about rising costs, but um, the words he used uh, seemed cold and lacking in empathy, really, when he was um, when he was being quoted. On the topic of rising energy costs for consumers, he said, we cannot perform miracles. I'm very mindful that is a difficult message to hear, but it is what it is. Um, he added that only a miracle could help consumers with their soaring bills. I think it's extraordinary. Po- it is extraordinary. I mean, <laughs> I, as I say, I know where he's coming from on one level. On the other hand, the message just doesn't ring true when your company and you personally are making vast sums of money. I think Shell and others really need to focus on communicating how they can help people during the cost of living crisis, really doubling down on that, or at least so show some human sympathy. And I feel that at the moment that seems a bit lacking. Well, there have been more use of windfall taxes in other countries. So, for example, in Spain, I believe that they've given a windfall tax to some fossil fuel companies, and that's enabled them to give free um, train travel to people to, you know, alleviate um, the cost of living crisis. But it is just extraordinary. The biggest wealth transfer that we've ever seen, I think, in history is happening. Yeah. Well, there we go. Let's hope there are some lessons that could be learned from that. But wildly unsympathetic, that quote. I think so. And I think it was... I saw it on the front page of at least one national paper, and I don't think it is what it is, is a good response when you're a multimillionaire business um, boss, frankly, and everyone is having these horrible price rises coming down the, coming down the line. Well, it's a bit like some you lose and some you win, isn't it? I mean, it's not yeah, that it different. Yeah, it sounds flippant, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for the latest episode of Beyond the Noise. Thank you to our guests. Thank you, Trevor. And thank you for listening. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 